Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Lift Effect podcast. I am your host, Matt McNeil, founder, clinical director, and director of human performance at Lift Effect, where we assist professional pilots with maintaining better mental health and optimizing their mental skills. The goal of this podcast is simple to help pilots and other high liability professionals and disciplines come out of the shadows to discover how we can live better lives personally and professionally. Join us each episode as we discuss various topics ranging from mental health, mental skills and performance, to business, entrepreneurship, and a few other surprises along the way. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest and newest Lift Effect podcast. I'm your host, Carl Keller. I'm finally back after a two-week hiatus, and uh, along with the main man, as always, Matt McNeil. Hey, buddy. How's hey, it buddy. feel to have uh, someone to, to uh, spar against? It's not so lonely. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of a bummer about uh, our last podcast. Yeah, that was my fault. Yeah, life goes on. It was my error. But I think we hey, got uh, the mic working, so we're good. Yeah. Uh, how's you... How's your week going? It's uh... uh, it was ninety degrees yesterday, which was fabulous. It's been in the sixties for the last month or two months. It's rained every day. I've never seen it rain as much in Colorado. I mean, people are freaking out. They're like, "This is, I mean, we need the rain. It's good." Yeah, but it's weird. It's like living in Seattle. It's just overcast, raining all the time. And guess what? It's doing today, raining. So, but yesterday was ninety. You know, we. Finished up work and we were like, let's go to the pool. So we went to the pool. Yeah, I'm good. more of a 60s, 70s kind of guy. I, I like it where you, if it's it's cool enough, you can wear a sweater if you want and not. Um, that's why you live on the to, East Coast, buddy. <laughs> well, when I lived in Virginia, uh, well, that's where we live now. It uh, When we first moved here, it had more of multi-seasons. But yeah. lately, we haven't had much of a winter and we've had more of a really hot summer and a really warm fall and spring so it's kind of we didn't have any snow this year none so it was, i know uh, i heard that that's kind of nuts yeah, it was kind of a bummer but yeah be that as it may hey um okay well we've, co- we've know, got the meteorology covered yeah no kidding right. <laughs> well you know, hey look how look how su- successful they are if they're just right 30 percent of the time Think hey about just that. like baseball players Right. Yeah. Thirty thirty percent of the time, man, you are like an all star. A three hundred. If you're batting a three hundred, you're. I'll triple that. What if I only land well ninety percent of the time? What do you think? As long as you can walk away. Yeah. What do they say? Any any landing you walk away is a good one. I'd say you greased it. (laughs) 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 Oh my god. Hey. Um. Uh. After. As a listener, I got to listen to your last podcast on mental health. I thought it was excellent. And um, uh, I'm going to pick uh, out of the – we have several questions today, so I'm going to kind of go around uh, um, uh, and to touch different things. But one of them I thought was really good and um, uh, that kind of piggybacks off last week. Mm. And it says, um, hi, Matt and Carl. Thanks for the podcast. Matt, can you please do more deep dives on specific mental health issues like depression, anxiety, obsessive, compulsive disorder, schizophrenia, maybe mm. from a pilot perspective? This is purely from a curiosity one. 
I promise I won't try to diagnose myself or my crazy family members. Well, that you don't have to be a pilot to have crazy family members, no. let me tell you. Just have to have family. <laughs> yes, you do. Uh, you know. uh, so you want more deep dives on specific so we've I've kind of avoided that because Do you do you want to save that for a more in-depth um, you know, future one? I think or? we could do it. I think we could do it. I, I'm I've avoided it because I was always concerned that people would start to try to diagnose themselves or um, diagnose other people. Be like, "Hey, you are depressed," and I, because I heard Matt say this, and I'm a pilot, and pilots, I, pilots <laughs> yeah, know everything. I, slept, I, I could do anything. <laughs> I slept at a Holiday Inn Select last night. <laughs> yeah, no, but if pilot is, you know, you need an appendectomy. I'm a pilot. I can do it. You know, I can, I can figure out it with YouTube. I'm a pilot. I can, I can do it. Pilots can do anything. Didn't you know that? In between flights, you know, while we're right. You know, yeah, I'm a on pilot. A turn. Everybody stand back. I'm a pilot. Yeah. <laughs> oh I saw God. this. I saw this cartoon. Somebody sent me. It was, it was a, like one of those like farce or you know like uh New York New Yorker cartoons or whatever. And there's all these people, uh, uh, around a casket. And the priest says, would anybody like to say anything? And there's this bubble that says, I'm a pilot. <laughs> Which is like, you know, it's like that old adage, you know, how do you know what a, you know, what, what kind of airplane a pilot flies? Don't worry, he'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so, I mean, that is, but honestly, I mean, that you got to be really careful with this stuff because you don't want people to try to like diagnose themselves or someone else thing oh i'm armed it's, with some knowledge here i'm i'm gonna see it it's kind of like if you if you buy a red car and then you you as soon as you drive off the lot all you see is red cars in that same car that you never noticed before see i don't want people to be doing that to themselves or to others that's the first reason i haven't done it second is because i'm not a huge fan of diagnosing i think the and honestly even the people that wrote the dsm-5 which is the Diagnostic Statistician's Manual on how we classify mental health disease. Even the people that wrote it say, this is kind of ridiculous that we're classifying the, the brain, the most complicated thing in the world uh, with these diseases. You know, we, oh, here's some symptoms. That means you have this. So I'm not a huge fan of it. But if the, what, so what would be the utility of talking about it? What's your thoughts, I think Carl? some... <sighs> It's, it's, I guess, in my mind, after, like I said, after listening to what you said last week, sometimes people are looking for, okay, on, on some of these, as you go down the deep, uh, down the, the spider, uh, you know, down the, the rabbit hole, mm. people just, like, you were talking about symptoms. Mm -hmm. You know, what are signs? What are things that, yeah, and, and, cause I know I am, I always look in the mirror and I say, you know, be honest with yourself, look at yourself and go, what are you doing good? What are you doing bad? What's going on that's different? Is there anything that I should be concerned about? You know, we may not go to our doctor to tell him everything we should. Mm -hmm. I mean, we should honestly do, but we don't, right. but don't lie to yourself. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes, yeah, we're in that denial stage, but sooner or later you get to the fact that something's not right. What is it? What's going on? And I think people, it's like a little bit of knowledge. It's like having a skeleton. I don't know all, mm -hmm. I may not know how everything connects inside when you put the flesh and, and the organs in, but I, I, I want to have a basic framework. Okay, there are indications that this is this is something. 
mm-hmm. it might be, you know, other, like you were saying, the difference between a panic attack and something that's a little bit more serious, panic attacks aren't going to, aren't life-threatening, mm-hmm. uh, you know, type thing. Is this, so, so when you're talking about these things, is this something that I need to worry about or is it this is, it this will pass kind of thing? Yeah. So I think that's what people are looking for is a little bit of, of knowledge, not not enough to to operate on themselves, so to speak, but enough mm-hmm. to say, hey, I need I can't I can't ignore this anymore. I got to do something. Like you said, it's for pilots it takes what, ten years on average? That's a yeah. long time. Well, average no but you still get is, there. That ten years is the normal population. The the pilots is never, you know. Yeah. Just, they just but don't some reach do. out until they're bleeding and, out on the side of the road. But that's changing and that's the whole point of what we're trying to do. I, so I that's what d- I think del- this is. Yeah, about. we could delve into some things and um uh, maybe it's more from a curiosity perspective too. Like people, I think people just like to learn things and yeah. I think it's useful to learn, but I just want to add the disclaimer, like do, do not try to diagnose yourself or somebody else. That's, uh, that would be the worst thing you could do with this information. So we can do some, some episodes maybe uh, on, I mean, what are the, maybe the most common things or maybe the most common things we see at lift effect. Maybe, maybe that would yeah. be, we could do in that in general sense. Yeah, we can do that. Not today, but yeah. but we'll we'll do that. Yeah, I'll commit okay. to doing a few, a few deep dives on specific mental, uh, mental disorders or you know issues that are you know what we call diagnosing. We can talk about that for sure. Uh, I got another question that I think uh, plays into one of your strengths and one of your um, issues that you're very, very firm and very serious about. Mm. Um, and yeah, and and the last two podcasts, you were actually talking about the science of breathing. So this question here goes: You mentioned in a recent podcast that anecdotal evidence is actually an important part in science. That was surprising to me, since I've always been under the impression that anecdotes were BS, just opinion. Can you explore what good science is and what bad science is? I feel like this is a huge was a huge issue during COVID. Uh, yeah. So when I, I think what I had said was there's, and I, I recall talking about anecdotes sort of, um, what I said was that anecdotes, there's this idea that if it's an anecdotal versus, um, like, you know, double blind controlled, uh, you know, trials, the gold standard of, of, um, of science. And we can, maybe we could break down a little bit of what, what, that actually means maybe um sure i I, when i read that and when i saw that what i glam glommed on to more importantly was that sentence what is good science and what is bad what is good science and what is bad science i that's what that was the bigger issue yeah you're right anecdotes sometimes are just opinions and and i don't care who you are everybody it's hard sometimes not to let some personal thoughts get in there as hard as you try to be but i think what's more important is what is what is good science and what's bad science right well let me just stay just clarify the anecdote so anecdote is good science there, there's an idea i think there's a misperception about anecdotes that an, if it's anecdotal it's not it's not um it's not useful and that's actually not true anecdotes are are so for example a lot of what um the information that I have at Lift Effect is we, we haven't quantified. I mean, some things we've quantified, 
but but some things we have not quantified and you know but i can tell you from the experience of of working with lots of pilots for example that our experience is this that would be anecdotal evidence does that make sense and that that doesn't mean that it's not legit or that it's not useful it just means that it's it's an it's an observation but it hasn't been quantified yet so that's kind of like maybe you know a place to start with with anecdotes but let's talk about i mean what are carl what's your give me your your opinion on like what is good science what is bad science sort of from your perspective and then i can give you mine but i mean you you kind of represent the listener um well well, and and now you're gonna have somebody going out there say carl doesn't represent carl doesn't represent me he doesn't speak who the heck does he think think he is right Uh, but you know you're not a you're not a uh a, a researcher and neither am i for that matter um, but you know, you you you're not a scientist, or you're not working in a clinical practice, or whatever. But what I mean, what's your? I I I think, and I'm not sure if this is going to come across right. But to me, bad science is when somebody takes bits and pieces mm-hmm. from facts, some from known knowledge, and then uh, uh, creates a conclusion from that that has no basis because they're random points there was no nothing that tied them together they basically created their false narrative um uh, as an example flat earth you know i you know i, I did you ever see that they, documentary did you see the, the i've flat seen earth documentaries documentary? on i don't know if i've seen the same one but i've seen uh, different things about people who believe in flat earth and they right. and they come up with their science and i'm going I feel like you took random points of of fact and you spun it to the way you want. There's, a, you know, uh, basically, if you take anything out of context, you can create uh, mm-hmm. your own narrative. I mean, mm-hmm. and that's what so many people do. They'll take a paragraph, they'll take a snippet out of it and say, see there, that proves my point. Right. That to me is not, that's not fact. That's not science. That's cherry picking with, with whatever you want that will will um, support your already your conclusion, regardless of what where the facts in our reality lead you. Right. That's my consi- That's my long winded explanation of bad science. Yeah. Um. I mean, God, man, there's so like there's so much to this. It's hard to even know where to start. Well, can, let me start with. Um, What's your definition of bad uh, science? Bad science is one that doesn't that doesn't follow a process. A, a rigorous, empirically validated scientific process from conception of idea to the execution. That's what bad science is to me. The, the, where it skips steps um, or it doesn't provide, it doesn't account for extraneous variables and so, some of these, uh, these other kinds of things. But can we, can we talk about like, like what, uh, and I'm actually working on this. Um, I, 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 and working on some scientific studies that lift effect is being is a is a part of i'm a part of some of this and we're in you know irb approval uh right now with with we're waiting for irb uh this is review board approval uh so i but i can tell you like what are the steps that we have um followed to be able to create good science around this would that be useful 
Sure. Okay. I mean, it, you know, the the thing is, what it, to me, I'm looking at is you're always coming from a science based perspective. Right. That this is what where the science leads you. So right. I think in this way, it's good to say, okay, all right, what is what how where is your underpinning? Where's your foundation on 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 hard science? Okay. So, so that's what you're kind of going to so give. So it starts. So let's start with what where does science start with? Um, that everybody can relate to. I want this to be relatable for everybody. So the first thing that you do when you're thinking about uh, uh, creating an experiment, let's say, and science is about experimentation, right? To be able to get um, some meaningful explanations. It's not to prove something. There is no proof. There's only uh, disproving. You never really get to absolute proof because it changes, but you disprove. So you start with a hypothesis and uh, uh, the hypothesis is um, it's the, uh, I, there's the, like a default position in an experiment uh, in, in that there's, there's no relationship between two phenomena. This is called the null hypothesis. Okay. That's what you start with. Then you design an experiment that's called experimental design. And we can get into the different types of designs that you can come up with. Not all designs are the same. There's many different types of designs. So you create a design. How do we want to test this? Then you do an analysis for power. Uh, power means how much significance does the results generate? And there are factors that determine power. Then you go to a review board right? That's where it's, is this ethical? Um, can we even do this? And, and when you want science to be published, I mean, you can go create your own experiments in your, in your kitchen sink. Uh, and that's cool. But if you want to be able to publish results and we can talk about how things are published, what, what is meaningful published versus not meaningful published. And oh my, we're going to get into that in a second. Um, but you publish it and there are, there's appropriate, more respected places to publish. And then there's primary, secondary outcomes, protocols, uh, stats plan, pre-registration, so on and so forth, after you, after you get an IRB approval. So <clears throat> let's talk about the null. Null hypothesis. So it's it. good science is, I, I would say, is generally hypothesis-driven. That's what good science is. The null hypothesis takes the position that there is no relationship between two phenomena. So, okay, Carl, come up with an example. Just create a little scientific experiment. It could be very simple. Oh, jeez. <laughs> come up uh, with something, man. Whatever. doesn't matter. The relationship to, uh, in this case, for where you are right now, rain and um, a green, uh, you know, greenery. Rain and greenery. Okay, fine. Yeah. So the hypothesis is that uh, rain, more rain equals, so you're making a hypothesis that, that more rain e equates with more green? Yeah, as okay. an example, like no rain and you, everything dies or dries up because there's no no, nothing for nourishment for the for the plants. So what would the, so if the null hypothesis it takes the position that there's no relationship between the two phenomena, what is the null hypothesis in that experiment? The null mm -hmm. that there's that it no won't, relationship. What clothes I wear today, you know? <laughs> no, <laughs> I love this. <laughs> well, 
you know. Okay, you, uh, let's just, let's, uh, yeah, okay, forget, uh, let's you do know, one as far here. Okay. As, um, How about this? Uh, what color are my eyes? <laughs> what color are my eyes? You look into my eyes, what color are they? It's, they're, it's hard to tell here. It looks like maybe brown. They're brown. Okay, they're dark. I don't have, I don't have blue eyes. Uh, I've got a coffee cup in my hand. So maybe there's a hypothesis might be that drinking coffee makes your eyes turn darker. Okay, that's a hypothesis that we're going to that we could test. And so you've got to frame it in a way that says that the null hypothesis is that when you drink coffee, your eyes do not change in color in any way. There's no relationship. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So that would imply that the alternative so H-O-H-A, we're talking null versus alternative. The alternative hypothesis is that when you drink coffee, your eyes do change color. Okay? So we've got a null and we have an alternative. Now, this is good. We're talking about good science. We're setting up an experiment. Whether it's a useful experiment, doesn't matter, right? That's sort of we, we laugh at this, but the reality is you can just assume... Oh, well, we know a drink coughing doesn't change your eyes color. Well, how do you know that? You have to test it. So it starts with a hypothesis. It starts with the null. There's no relationship. It starts with the alternative hypothesis. Now, remember, science does not about proving. It's only about disproving. So the alternative hypothesis is, okay, if I drink coffee, my eyes are going to change color. But here's the deal, right? There's Because I... I am specifying what color it changes to, or you know, um, or or maybe I'm specifying what what color it changes to. D does it get darker? Does it get lighter? Does it change? Does it make my eyes more hazel or more more green? So, to be able to formulate that cleanly, what you've got to do is you have to conduct an experiment. So, how are you going to test this? How are you going to test the hypothesis? Now. The best way, the gold standard, what they consider the gold standard, and we could even argue, is that the gold standard? And there's a lot of argument right now about, is this actually the gold standard? But let's just kind of go with what is most accepted, is to do a randomized controlled experiment. And what's better is even if it's total, if you're, uh, you're blind to it. Some of the questions that you could off you could ask around this experiment would be, uh, so the, we're we're saying that the alternative hypothesis is that if I drink coffee, my eyes change color. So now we got to come up with some questions around, like some meaningful questions that we can that we can test in our experiment. So it would be, how frequently do you have to drink coffee to, to for the experiment, or how long should I drink the coffee for? Or how are we going to measure my eye color? So that's so that's like just an example of the, these are questions when you're when you're starting to figure out how to test something, how to even ask a meaningful question. You have to think of these factors. So think about like when you when you read about studies that they've done, did they do some of these things, or was it just like you know, what, I had a client that was like. I'll I'll leave that example for a second. She was reading a study that freaked her out, and it was like, okay, but that wasn't like really a study. It was it was not. It was a very quick 
observational, you know, study that was not science. It wasn't experimental. There wasn't, you know, they, they didn't really ask a lot of questions here. So and I'm not saying that that doesn't mean it's totally invaluable. It just means what is the depth at which they looked at something, but we're talking about what's the gold standard. What is the best way to do this? So now, so that's, that's how you conduct the experiment. So how are you going to test the, the hypothesis? And then what are some of the questions you're going to be asking in the test? And then you have to analyze. We talked about the power analysis. So uh, an important variable in power, what's often related to uh, when somebody says this has more statistical power, one of the variables is how many subjects you have. If you only have two, right? well, that's lower power than if you have 2,000 or 50,000. And so now there is a finite number to where you don't get any more power out of it. And that is dependent on a bunch of different things. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, we use basically, we use computers that crunch these numbers and be able to determine where the power is. But that's something to, 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 that you need to think about in terms of your analysis. Um, another thing is that, um, how many uh, arms of the study will will you have in the study? Like how many how many different? How do you branch this out? That's that's something that that is an important question in terms of the analysis. So that's that's how you that's that that phase. Then you get into IRB approval. So if the study involves human beings, um, or does it involve mice? They call that animal studies. Animal. I mean, humans are animals too, but. We say humans, human subjects or animal subjects. And you're going to have to get something called an institutional review board to approve the ethics of that study. Is this ethical to do on humans? Is it ethical to do on animals? And, you know, there's a lot of controversy around that. I, I have animals. I like animals. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's rough uh, what is done to, anim done to animals. Um, they experiment on animals and, and do things that they would never do to a human being, um, but they do them on animals. And so you can have your own opinions about that. I struggle with it. I knew I never was going to be able to do a, be a biological scientist because I didn't want to do the experiments on, on cats and mice. And, you know, I just, just, just didn't want to do it. So you get approval. Let's say they say, okay, your approval. Then you got to determine your primary and your secondary outcomes. So, you, you, you have to get the protocol approved. You've got to develop a plan for statistics, and then you have to uh, register the study. And also a big factor in this is you have to get funding <laughs> to do this. These are not cheap to do. Studies are, 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 especially if they're complicated and they're involving people. And so let's like, well, we're doing studies with pilots, you know, is what are, what are the, um, how do pilots perform? Um, with maybe mental health issues or some kind, some of these things. Though this is expensive to do. Yeah, one of the ones I've always talked about is what is the effects of going over the pole, radiation-wise. Right. That's versus not. You know, are right. long-term effects. Right. That is one that I, that has been talked it's, about. And and I think part of the frustration that pilots have is they're like, why why do we not know this stuff? Like, how do they? Can't they just get the data? Well. It's not that simple. Just because you have data doesn't mean that it fits into a design, into the study design. It doesn't mean that the data is is approaching the right questions that you're asking. So these, this is a, a um, this is difficult 
And so we're talking about experimental now. When, when studies are not experimental, some of these steps are skipped, right? You don't, you don't need to do them. And so the, the types of studies that we have, let's talk about d d different kinds of studies. There's observational studies. There are um, papers that analyze or review studies. They look at studies and they go, okay, I'm going to take all the studies that were done and, and I'm going to review those studies. Uh, and there's experimental studies. What would else? What else would be? Well, I mean, what are your what are your thoughts just on initial uh, uh, initial thoughts on this? Does it make sense? Yeah, Does it seem I mean, it, the one that you hear the most about are the ones that are the, the, the double blind, where you have the control uh, and you have the one that's actually using it. So the placebo, you know, when you're using the idea about the eyes, you know, the one gets a dark colored substance right. that has a coffee flavor but it's not coffee versus the other one gets coffee uh, you know and so is do they come up with any statistical sig uh, variances or yeah. is there yeah, is yeah. the same so that's what i've always uh, i've always um looked at the other one is the peer reviews where you yes. take a number yeah, of yeah, studies yeah, yeah. and you yep. and you look and say are there any conclusions are there are there are there similarities or things that that you can inf that you can create a um that that, that that there's similarities in here they're all coming to a similar conclusions right on on a subject from different perspectives that weren't not weren't started by the same people yep so there's there's a diagram um that uh purdue university has and actually i wonder if i can can i can i open this yeah there it is hold on here's a diagram let me show you this really quick this is a cool um a cool diagram that I'm going to show you, which actually, in some respects, I kind of disagree with it. <laughs> but it, it, it's a, uh, and I'll explain why. So, are you seeing this picture? I uh, just, it's coming up now. Okay, so um, this is uh, Purdue University. Uh, I've got this as bookmarked from way back in the day. I have my bookmarks all the way from grad school, which is kind of funny. Um, I've imported all of them, but like here's a. a the different types of of studies. I'm, we're looking at a pyramid, and we can link to it in the show notes. Now, one thing that's sort of misleading about this is that it looks like there's a hierarchy, you know, there's, when you ever see a pyramid, it's, you think of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs is, you know, that's, I think what pilots are most familiar with, but there's a pyramid. And the reality is, is it doesn't, this doesn't suggest that something is better than the other. It's just different. It's just different, which is why I, I, I get a little upset with like, oh, the, it's not it's not double blind controlled trial. It's not it's not experimental enough. It's no good. Well, that's just not true. That's not I, true. What I what I see when and this is the first time I've seen this. Yeah, is I'm looking at the uh, at the very bottom is just background and just compiling the information. Right, and then the other three, which are observational, experimental, and critical appraisal, mm -hmm. the different uh, items that are in each one of those are, I think. Different levels of of uh, the rigorousness of the evaluation and the the level of of uh, of, of studies that are in there. Observational, to me, right. is 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 less um, rigorous than 
experimenting could, or doing a critical appraisal. So I think right. there is a hierarchy here because you're basically saying the higher you go on this list fr from individual case reports to non-randomized control to systematic reviews to meta-analysis, those are all much there. There's there is a level there of of but detail it doesn't equate with meaning. And that's the difference. So yes, there is different levels of rigor, but all of these things, I mean, individual case reports, which they put at the bottom, those are very, very important. Individual case reports are how science is changed sometimes. It's how questions are asked. I just want to encourage you to think that it's not a hierarchy. That's the problem. And I've seen this presented where it's ladder, it's, it's, it's parallel. It's not it's not one is better than the other. And so I think this is a big error I see with people that are looking at reports is that, oh, well, it's, it's you know, if it's just an individual case report, it's it just doesn't have as much meaning or significance as something else. I don't think that that's true. Uh, see, I guess from my perspective, it would be because it's just one data point. Is this one in a million? Is this is this something that's more uh, more common and we just haven't people just haven't reported it? Versus when you're actually doing control tests, where you're having, like you say, a, a, a number of of uh, subjects, whether it, animal or human. Well, to me, I, that's I, you're getting a greater uh, a greater look at this issue. Versus but, just a random... But the implications of how these things are used are important. And so the value of individual case reports, especially when you're looking at something like medicine, is that when somebody comes into a clinic, let's say, um, and they've got a certain condition and there's a certain lab value that might be like sky high, um, and, and then somebody goes to the literature to search for it, they're going to see that report that individual case report, and hopefully it'll save them time in getting the diagnosis correct. And so that's, that is very different than looking at a massive randomized controlled trial of thousands of people to try to, to glean, you know, how to treat things, how, how to approach it. So there's huge value and it depends on the, the domain that you're talking about. But in terms of medicine, individual case reports are how a lot of, of people are saved is because of individual case reports. So let's keep going though. Well, could I uh, step back for a second just yes. to kind of go back up to the 10 or 20,000 foot view? I, all of these, whether it starts uh, at the very bottom and all goes all the way top or goes from left to right if you're doing horizontal, mm -hmm. these are all different levels of good science. Yes, these are different so levels I, of I good science this, of how things was, are created. Yep. And I think that was really... I, not not how how good it is you know how whether it's good or gooder or goodest these are all different ways to do good science that's right so then there's case series or sets of studies so here's where you're you're doing the same thing but then you would look at more than just one case review you would look at several so looking back at so one of the things they're doing at lift effect is looking back at clinical data uh, and noticing that, let's say, we had 35 people uh, over the last 12 months that have demonstrated a very, uh, uh, you know, uh, specific thing. So, like, for example, COVID, maybe we're saying, boy, it seems like there's been an uptick in brain fog that happened during these months of COVID or circadian disruption or something else. 
And so you, what you could do is you could take that and then you could write a paper that looks at all of these, you know, seemingly spontaneous uh, uh, increases or regressions in a certain type of condition. And this, you know, th that's, that's very, very important. That's what a case series is. Cohort studies are larger studies and they can be retros they can there's two ways they can be looked at retrospective or prospective. So a retrospective uh, cohort study will look it looks backwards in time. That's it's looking back in retrospect. So you go back and you look at at you know all the people who've um let's say pilots who have flown east across the pond that had depression or flown west across the pond that had depression. That would be a, a way of looking at a retrospective look. It's it's observational. There's there's no intervention in it. And the hope that that when you do this is that you're going to see some sort of pattern in it. That's the that's the advantage of a cohort. Now it's not experimental. We're not even doing an experiment, but you're still looking at patterns. There's there's value in that. That's real science. That's not voodoo science you know and hopefully you'll be able to establish causality in the pattern that's the that's the point of that prospective is when you would follow people over the next certain period of time whether it's 12 months or it's five years or it's 20 years of let's say pilots that have flown east across the pond a certain number of times per year or west a certain number of times per year uh, and then compare them to similar uh, similar numbers of like pilots who didn't fly across the pond. And so in a forward-looking orientation, we're going to be examining other behaviors of these people and ultimately what their outcomes are. Do they have different rates of mortality? You know, I know there's there's been questions about do cargo pilots die younger or sooner than pilots who are not cargo? And so what is that? Is, is, it, is it because they're up at night more? Is it maybe because there's some other type of environmental factor that cargo pilots fly versus passenger pilots. I don't, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of assumptions there. Bad science would say, well, we looked at cargo pilots and they die at 67 and passenger pilots die at 70. So cargo flying is just, it, it's the fact that they fly cargo is the problem. Well, that, well, no, is it, is it because of circadian disruption? Is it, I mean, that's, that's the, the point of, what would be what would be good science versus bad science? Then you get to experimental studies. There's non-randomized trials, which sometimes gets referred to as a, a open label trials. And this is where you take two groups of people and you give them you give one of them a, a, the, the the treatment, and the, the other you they get a placebo, which is nothing, or a different treatment. But you don't you don't randomize the selection in terms of it. You just it's just, uh, uh, there, there's a reason that they're in the group. And so that's non-randomized. Randomized is where you, you and that's the gold standard. This is what, where you, you know, it, it, whatever question you want to study, you study it, but you attempt to, to take all the bias out of it by randomly assigning people into different, into treatment, the treatment group. And there's, how do you randomize it? There's computers that can do that. There's even randomized, uh, number charts that you can just google it and you can see how to create randomized how to random randomly select numbers and so and then blinding is another aspect of where 
the experimenters may be blind to who gets into which cohort, and obviously the, the participants are blind. Meta-analysis, I'm just looking at this chart. I, I think that's enough. I think that's enough for this. So the point of this is that scientific studies are are really complicated. And that's why people that, that do science, that's why anybody that's going to run a scientific study needs to have a PhD to even get IRB approval for the most part, because they need to have the background in experimental design and in statistics to even be able to, to approach how do you design some of this? How do you approach some of this? How do you run a study? And then how do you interpret the results? It's not simple. But not all science, it, just because it's not randomized, double-blind controlled you know, trials or, or design doesn't mean that it's bad science. It, it can mean it's good science, but it doesn't, have to, it doesn't mean that it's good science. That's my point. And one of the things that frustrates me is that sometimes clients will come to me and they'll say, well, I read this study and this says that you know eating eggs is bad. And then the other study says that eating eggs is good. Well, which, which one... Which one is it? Why do they keep changing it? It's all, it must, must all be bullshit. Well, I don't think it's as simple as that. It depends on what was the experimental question that was being asked. What was the hypothesis? What are the extraneous variables? What was the design of the study? That's my point. I have a question for you. To me, mental health is... It's, when you're dealing with the mind, it's, it's uh, so complex... And the, and the effects of uh, uh, that on each person are unique. Do you feel like that there's a lot of science in the mental health area, or is it the majority still more hypotheses of things that they're trying to prove and to to like you say, a process of elimination type thing? Because there's it seems like they were constantly seeing new things, and there's been a lot of progress recently but is that because of science or just because we're now um delineating and 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 categorizing things more accurately and better i think it's a hundred well i think it's 90 percent because of science i think that science is a it it allows formal process that is can be rigored to certain levels. And I think without that, we would be still bloodletting. <laughs> we would be still like, you know, hitting people in the head with rocks. If you look at the history of psychiatry, uh, I mean, it was gruesome what they, what they did to people. They did lobotomies on people. You know, stuck pokers up people's noses. I mean, and they did bloodletting and they used magnets and did all sorts of stuff. And I guess they're, they are actually doing magnetic resonance stuff now. But I think without science, we would be in deep trouble. We would be in deep trouble. It's not perfect. And I think people get frustrated when they go, well, shit. It's like they said it, it's one thing and now they're saying it's not. Well, those, those damn liars. And I, I think that's like a bit of a simplistic view of what the purpose of science is it's it's not perfect and but that's the like the equivalent of saying you know the the fom the way that boeing put out the fom for the uh the max um th they, that's how they published it you got to fly it that way and why would they change it well 
you change it when you get more information. <laughs> you know, I mean, in aviation, we know everything is written in accidents, you know, and, and in, so, blood. <laughs> in blood. And and so it's not like, yeah, I think, but, but and even in aviation uh, safety, that is science. It's not, it's not like, you know, it's not like it's just opinions. They look at this stuff and they, they, they create hypotheses and then they test it as best they can. And it's, it comes out of observation. It starts with observation. So I think we would be in really bad, deep trouble if we didn't have, have science with mental health. I guess, I guess I've, I've talked to not a ton of doctors, but quite a few that have said with all the science, medicine is still, there's an, it's almost like an art. As much as we know, there's so much more that we don't. And I guess, to me, mental health, because the mind is even more complex than so many of our other Super organs and symptoms. It just, to me, I'm going sometimes, do, it, do science is the standard of which we are moving towards, but is uh, I was going more to the fact that isn't an awful lot of mental health still an art because we're still trying to see the complexities and understand its impact on us as as different uh, events unfold. Yes. So that was what I was really trying to get to. I guess I just didn't word it well. So uh, uh, mental health is. I mean, what you know, what we know about mental health is like the tip of the pen. That's that's what we know about it, and it's not as clear cut as like um, you know, uh, I don't know, a, a a mole is the mole cancerous or not? Is the mole gonna yeah. gonna create uh, a problem down the road or a polyp when you do a colonoscopy like we, they know okay polyps can can have can can turn into cancer the brain and like depression and part of the problem with mental health is that it's it's like context driven it depends on so, psychosocial factors and it depends on environment and it depends on uh, you know what we think it depends on chemical stuff they, you know, the, the chemical imbalance hypothesis, I mean, that's all been proven. That's not true. They don't know, you know, oh, it's a, it's a chemical imbalance. It's a chemical imbalance. Well, that's not actually supported by science. That's a hypothesis. That's an idea. But the science doesn't actually support that. The brain is super complicated. And one of the biggest issues as well is it's like, it's transitory. One minute you can be doing really well, in, let's say in mentally, and then something can happen or something can shift and all of a sudden you're not doing very well. And so it's like, you're, you're kind of like chasing this thing around. It's like trying to herd cats. Whereas I think a lot of other, like engineering is very different, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and so engineers and, uh, and medicine, they, they, there's a bit of, you know, engineers want everything to be super concrete, um, and, and it's easier for them because of the properties of the materials they're using. Exactly, are, are very are, are very set. There's there's they're no stable. The ver the variables and the variations are are either quantifiable or they're non-existent. Exactly, versus like the brain, the neurons, and the pathways are just it's, it's just so complicated. It's so complicated. Well, there's more neurons in our head than stars in the galaxy. You know, and I, I think, but. But science is allowing discoveries, and it's these these amazing researchers that are asking questions, and they're not going in saying, "I know that this is that." No, no good researcher with their salt would say, "We know it's this." That they, they would never say. They would say, well, we, we, you know, we we think it's probably not that," 
but it it might be this it might be get us closer but it's the willingness to be wrong and to say well what we thought now we've got more information and we asked some different questions and we looked at and now we don't think that so much that anymore we now think maybe it's moving more toward this yeah i mean look at the look, look at the cosmos the the things that we accepted as scientific fact over years have been either disproven or the fidelity of them goes, okay, well, what we had assumed was a constant wasn't, and now it changes this. So that's, I think things are like that. Um, but to close this all up, since we're getting near the end of this uh, epi- podcast, I just want to say that everything scientifically revolves around what clothes I wear today. I just want to, just, I just want to bring this full circle. Here. It revolves around See, the coffee I drink and my eye color too. No, well, so. I'm just looking at. Yeah, I'm wearing a green shirt today, so that means it's got to be green outside. See, there's my. <laughs> there, I mean, I man, there's such a. I love. I mean, I love this topic because, um, you know, my my favorite classes in graduate school were experimental design because it was just slogging it. It was so like hard to get this right, and it was like you know we would get it wrong all the time and it was it was so much some people either hate you either hate it or you absolutely love it if you like things to be well, super concrete it's not it's gonna you're gonna hate it let me ask you a quick question before just because you said that the courses you took back in college 15 20 yeah. years ago and the information it, well, in grad school, that was really. available yeah yeah but if you were to if someone if a, a younger version of you were to go take those same courses today do you do you feel like the the hypotheses and and uh, the the rigor would be significantly different? I would think it would because of the information and the things that have occurred in that period of time. So it would be a very different class. Even I if think you, even I think if you the, took it again. Yeah, I think it's what the the difference is, and I still keep up on it quite a bit. And I I do continuing education courses on this, and and I, I just because I enjoy it, I think it's really cool. And I am not a researcher. That is not my role. I'm a clinician. I'm not a researcher. The, the fundamentals are the same. Good hypotheses, bias. We didn't even get into bias. We could do a whole thing on what are the different kinds of biases that, that happen with science just in our life too. How are we being, you know, how are we being biased? Those things don't change. Hypotheses, null hypotheses, experimental, non-experimental. There's parametric, non-parametric statistics. Those do not change. What has changed is how you get to those answers. The the methods and the 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 really the computer programming, the tools, the tools the are so different now. I mean, when I took multiple regressions in grad school, like you had to do it by hand, which was like you know, pages and pages and pages of, of mathematics, basically, to create a regression line. And now it's like, it's, I mean, you just, look, it's good to know how to do that, but you, you just put it in a computer and it's done. It just, it just just does it for you. It shows the regression line and how you, regression is to the mean and, and all that. So, the, the and the, they have like tools now that are, are so like measuring things in different ways and reverse engineering and the predictive value of these things are just insane, absolutely incredible with what they're doing. It's a constantly evolving, evolving field. So, but I, I think the the point, that's the takeaway. The takeaway is don't, just because something is observational or single case study or huge randomized controlled trials or it's retrospective or prospective, I wouldn't judge it as like, oh, this is garbage or, or this is the greatest thing uh, ever. 
I think it it's it's a way more nuanced than that. And you know, don't take everything as gospel. You know what you read. It's it's it, some of it's very important. Some of it's pretty hard to argue. But I wouldn't say things are just you know it is this way. It's like no, it's 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 getting us closer to what we think is the truth. But we never really get there. We never totally get there. That's the warrant. That's the, the the point I think of getting into this today. Well, as you can see, we obviously take listener questions very seriously. Please keep them coming in. Podcast at lifteffect.com is where you send them. As always, hit the like buttons, leave a comment, give us however many stars you think we deserve. Everything helps us spread the word. Talk to other people. You hear me say this at the end of every podcast. We're trying to expand our listener audience and you are, there's no better way for people to believe than for someone to sit there and and say hey you need to listen to this so we thank you and we appreciate you as always we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast have a great day thank you for listening to this week's episode of the lift effect podcast If you want to dive deeper into this episode and every episode, go to our website, lifteffect.com forward slash podcast. If you're enjoying the show, we would love it if you'd follow us on Spotify and rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate your support. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, all with the ID Matthew McNeil. This show is brought to you by Lift Effect a clinical mental health and consulting company that assists air carriers, corporate flight departments, pilot unions, and commercial pilots by providing comprehensive psychotherapy and mental skills coaching services to pilots with mental health and mental performance-related issues. Visit lifteffect.com, that's L-I-F-T-A-F-F-E-C-T.com to book your free consultation. And finally, this podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of counseling, psychotherapy, medicine, or any other healthcare service, including the giving of medical advice. No therapeutic or provider-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and any materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional psychological advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining advice for any psychological or medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on the Lift Effect podcast.